Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this is episode number 137. Um, and I'm very excited every time he's on the show, every time I get to like just sit down and pick the brain of Calvin Johansson is like my favorite thing ever, whether that's for the podcast or whether that's, you know, while we're hiking mountains or on a road trip or just, you know, like a phone call. Um, the dude, like I can truly say this, he is one of the most motivational and inspirational people in my life and every time I get done talking with him or hanging out with him like I'm ready to just take on the day (laughs) like um I consider myself a supporter you know like if any of my friends come up to me with a crazy idea or something I can tell they're like really passionate about and really want to accomplish I'm 100% on board. I'm like, what can I do to help you, man? Like, I'm in. You should 100% pursue this dream. And I think Calvin is very much the same way. Uh, And the dude's just, like, very well-read, well-spoken, and he just has all of these just... He just has a really good, centered, logical philosophy on how to be successful in life. And if you've listened to the previous episode, so just to give you a heads up, uh, they're going to be number 72. Calvin was on, that was the last time he was on the show. Um, also, he was the number two guest. Uh, he climbed 100 mountains in 100 days. Um, one of my favorite episodes ever. If you love adventure, uh, you got to hear some of his stories there. And then he joined me again, number 18, when he finished his 100 mountains in 100 days with some like edge of your seat, edge of the cliff stories. Um, so definitely check those out too. But I really hope you guys take away some of the lessons um, that he shares in this show. Uh, really, it's mostly about if the the like, you know, backbone of the podcast is Calvin's journey. Um as a new yoga instructor it's something he took on it's something he's been passionate about and basically he committed to this 200 hour training which sounds really intense um and so the backbone is like him training to become this and what he's learned as a teacher and yet all of these lessons can be applied in all of our lives in like any function right it doesn't have to be necessarily doing yoga or teaching yoga or anything like that so um mostly what it's about as after we recorded i was thinking like man that topic covered or that conversation covered like a whole bunch of topics here what was kind of like the main thread and i think the thing both of us kept coming back to was this idea of like intentionality and um not multitasking like focusing like your power of your focus and i as after he said this i was like whoa like i've never realized that about yoga but yoga eliminates every single distraction you possibly could have and it's giving you and showing you the power of focus like when you focus on this just this one thing look what you can accomplish because sometimes you're holding these poses which are incredibly hard And you're holding it and for the first five seconds, you're like, man, I'm never going to be able to get through this. But just by focusing on that breath, you're able to do so much more. So let's just get into this, guys. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 137, all about the power of 
intentionality, focus, uh, and really just kind of like making sure you're doing one task at a time. This is Calvin Johansson. Let's get into it. All right, Calvin, welcome back to the show, man. Chris Ward, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. You're one of my like, first of all, one of my best friends, but also just podcast wise, I'm like, Calvin's one of the best because, you know, I can like say a couple words and then he can be super inspirational for an hour and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think it's just because it's a good podcast host, so to speak. You just pull it out of me. I don't know. Oh, nice, man. <laughs> well, it was funny because we we're talking on the phone uh, like 30 minutes ago. And I was in <laughs> – this is the best way to start a like health and fitness podcast, right? Like I was in the drive-thru for Dairy Queen because <laughs> me and my wife have both had this stomach thing and like – all we can eat is like liquid food. I mean, without getting into much detail, but it's yeah. been bad, dude. Liquid in, liquid out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you started talking about like breaking your own rule and going to a McDonald's. And I'm just imagining you like the super fit, like uh, now like kind of like yogi guy going to McDonald's. So put us in your shoes. Thanks for sharing my secret with the oh, world, sorry, Chris. Sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> Embarrassing. I thought that uh, would be first, a good secret to share. Either the credibility has completely gone out the window and people have uh, closed out of this podcast, or they're instantly intrigued, right? It's yeah. the yeah, yeah, yeah. pattern interrupt. So, health and wellness focused podcast, man at Dairy Queen talking to his friend who went to McDonald's. Ooh, what a hook. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yes, yeah, that quick story is, um, you know, a while back, I think it was in, actually, I can tell you, it was July of 2013. The last McDonald's I was at was in Norway. And it was the very, it was a thing I was trying to quit out of my life. I was on a healthier journey at that point to get healthier. And I was just trying to get rid of fast food. And at that point, it's like I just drew a line in the sand. I was like, I'm done going inside McDonald's. And they're equally evil cousins, say Wendy's, Burger King, et cetera, right? Yeah. And I found myself recently in uh, Pennsylvania. I was on a work trip. And due to whatever excuses I want to create at the moment, the only proximity thing within reason was McDonald's. And uh, I thought to myself, wow, doing quick math, it's what, January? Uh, so was that 13, 19? It's like five and a half years, I think, is the, yeah. is the math, I think, real quick. And I was thinking, I was like, do I dare go into this McDonald's and eat McDonald's, which I have not done in about five and a half years? Do I break the streak? Or in this moment, I was kind of more content with my decision, and I was okay with it. It was the, you know what, if that's what serves me at the moment, go to it, indulge, embrace it for that experience. Just don't turn it into a habit. Yeah. And the, the fear is right. Like the fear is that for the next like month, all you've eaten oh, is like chicken McNuggets. <laughs> yeah. I'm very much a black and white individual of, oh, at least I find it's easier to be, uh, it's easier to live in a world of black and white than gray. Although that's also very challenging to do as well. And it reminds me of, there's this book called how were you, how will you measure your life? And in there, this gentleman's talking about how he was a collegiate athlete, incredible basketball player, and, but he was really devoted to, devoted to his faith, a Christian. And his whole life, he had made a rule. He said, I will not play basketball on Sundays. 
Well, lo and behold, his college team, I think he was over in Europe, uh, made it to the national championship, and he was one of the best players, right? And well, guess what? That game was on a Sunday. And he was basically faced with the decision of helping his team, one of the most important moments in his history, in the team's history, or uh, stick to his kind of rule, his faith, which was more important. And he decided to sit out of that game because he realized it's easier to be 100% than it is 98%. Yeah. And that if he was to skip it that one time, later in the future, who knows, since he broke his rule, it'd be easier. Like, well, I did it that one time. Maybe I can do it again kind of thing. Um, so that's been helping me. You know, I've, I've, I know myself. I have addicted personalities. Sometimes I get on. I'll have something that, yeah, every day I would eat chicken McNuggets or something, right? <laughs> but this time I tried to be much more intentional because I think I'm a bit more in tune with my health. And I can honestly say as of the last three weeks, I haven't had any chicken McNuggets <laughs> nor a desire to step inside McDonald's. Now, one more little anecdote I'll give that from another book lesson. I was reading this uh, from this little passage from the book, Chicken Soup for the Soul. And this, this person, uh, uh, this individual is telling about how they had an incredible experience with some Buddhist monks in L.A. And they went to the seminar to go learn from like these five Tibetan monks or something because they're like, oh, I'm going to get enlightened or something. Right. And get the real crash course. So they went there. And then after the whole event, uh, the monks were going to go get something to eat. And this person basically was invited along or tagged along, jumps in the car with these monks and uh, they start driving. And after about 15 minutes, this person's like, man, these monks must know something really good. Like we're going to get some really good food. And then about 30 minutes goes by and they're like, they must be going somewhere out of town I don't know about. <laughs> After about 45 minutes, they pull into a parking lot of a, it's called Sizzler or Steak Sizzler or something like that. It must be a chain. And this person's like, this. these monks obviously know something I don't or I've just been duped. And they go inside this chain restaurant and the person's like, well, crap, I have to eat like vegetarian meals because that's what monks, Buddhists do, right? They're like anti-meat. <laughs> so they're like, I get the salad bar. And the salad bar is pretty crappy, but I just get like green leaf salad, nothing special because uh, I don't want to offend these monks or anything. I go sit down and there's all the monks sitting there with steaks. So there's like five of them having steaks. And this person explodes. They're like, wait a minute. You guys are like Buddhist monks. You're vegetarians. No harm to animals. Blah, 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 blah. And she's like, what's the deal? And uh, the one monk spoke up and they said, we have this saying in the temple uh, that is not Buddha yet. And what that means is like, we're not enlightened yet. We haven't reached it and we still are, we're still human. And that means sometimes we have human tendencies and we can indulge and it's okay every now and then to like truly experience the human self. And if that means McDonald's wants to blue moon for what it has to offer, be okay with that. Just don't be doing it every day. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of long-winded. I don't know if that answers any of your questions. I do. That's that's what I'm saying, man. I can just throw out something at you, and you're like bringing in stories from books and like all this yeah. stuff, and I love it, man. And yeah, sorry uh, about bringing up Mickey D's. Uh, <laughs> Thanks a lot. It was just a funny image to me. I was like, oh man, like here's this guy who's one. Well, you know, I guess if people have listened to the podcast, like I'm sure we've kind of told your health story on here at some point, right? Quite possibly, but you know, I'm, I don't know if it's the same listeners or new listeners. But you know, yeah. if you go back in my own story, my whole life, you know, I was somewhat of an athlete, small town, went to college, and you know, you're young metabolism, and I was always 185 pounds, kind of a lean, athletic build. 
Well, then of course life happens. You get to your mid twenties and uh, sedentary lifestyle got the best of me and bad habits for, you know, it. I put on like 200 or excuse me, like 40 extra pounds, almost 50 pounds. And at my worst one day, I kind of wake up and I'm 230 pounds. And I was like, holy crap, what happened? Like over a course of two year period, this happened. And it was literally one of those like come to Jesus moments of, I just went through a uh, breakup, like a pretty serious relationship. And I just kind of looked in the mirror one day and I was oblivious to it until about kind of then. Like I kind of knew, but I didn't really know. I was just looking in the mirror and I was like, <clears throat> wow, like what happened? I got to like get back a hold of myself and change my narrative a little bit. And then yeah. I got started to get back into a healthier lifestyle, which I kind of quit drinking soda, quit going to fast food places like McDonald's and just started changing a, a little things. I didn't go extreme, but I started running and I started setting some goals on like to run a half marathon and eventually I did a marathon and you know, over the course of a year or so, I really changed my life around. And, you know, it's been some time now. It's probably been like six years or five and a half years or whatever. And people would probably never associate me with that person who I was, nor will I sometimes. But, yeah, now I live a much, I guess, healthier, better lifestyle. Yeah, man. Well, it's funny when you were talking about the whole 100% thing. Like, I can totally relate to that. Um, and, you know, because in the past I've done this, like, 100-day-of-yoga challenge, right? You have to do like 15 minutes at least every single day. And I know my personality. And I'm like, I know if I miss one day, it's done. Like, I'm not going to come back because I've done it before. I've failed like a few multiple times at, you know, setting these goals. And and so I'm thinking back because I just finished my second one. So I did one like two years ago and I got all 100 days, 100 percent. And then literally yesterday was day 100 for me. And in my mind, I'm like. Congratulations. Okay, thank by the way. you. Thank you. And now I'm like, okay, I want this to be a habit still. And I know if I miss, because the last time I did this, I got through 100 and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it for a whole year, but I'll take a day off. And then I just didn't do yoga for like a year. <laughs> and that goes goes back to that statement of it's easier to be 100% than it is 98%. Exactly. Right? And so now like I'm I'm sitting here on day 101 and I'm like, dude, I know I have to do it today. Like I'm just, I have to do it. Otherwise it's not going to get done. Otherwise I'm like going to completely just fall off the wagon on it. So yeah. I totally relate to that. But I also think it's interesting the whole like you also can challenge yourself discipline of like, hey, you know, I'm going to do this thing, but I'm going to get right back on it you know, after like indulging, cause you know, we all indulge at some point, but, um, I was recently listening to some, uh, kind of this idea of when people get out of high school, really their fitness levels just like go down, like, you know, consistently go down. And it's not as if they're actually like getting weaker or like, it's not like we all consistently just lose our ability. Right. It's mostly like life gets in the way and then for like a month you don't work out and then you can never, you don't pick it up at the same level you were doing it before or you get injured and then coming back like you just never are able to like pick it up the same. So, I mean, as me and you are in our like early 30s, I guess at this point, um, I've felt that temptation of life getting busy and you yep. like, do you feel that too? I mean... Yeah, there's the, um, well, I want to go back just to touch on a real quick phrase, not to jump away from your question, but that idea of to have those lows. And maybe it's to walk into McDonald's or maybe it's to have the one day off from training or a month or two years off like I had. 
And there's this, you know, in the idea from the Tao, Tao Te Ching, there's paradoxical unity, and that idea that we live our life with judgment and think opposites must exist in the world, right? So light, dark, yin, yang, um, strong, weak, tall, short, highs and lows. So I think of these things of often of, I myself like to fall off the wagon every now and then and sit down and eat the entire bowl of candy and just go ham <laughs> on all the Snickers, right? And I'll feel fantastic for 10 minutes and I'll feel fucking shitty. And it's a good check for me to remind me that the low exists that I didn't realize yeah. that I'd been riding a high this entire time. So sometimes for me, it's okay to fall off the wagon, take those breaks to get that check to remind myself of what the low is and that I, and that I was on a high all along. Because if you don't have those kind of checks and balances, it's just maybe it's easy to take it for granted or not be as you know grateful or to recognize all the hard work you've been doing and, yeah. and so on. Well, and vice so. versa too. I mean, I think if people go through their whole life not feeling the high, like not feeling what it feels like to be healthy, then yes. you just get used to feeling shitty all the time. And that's like your reality now. And you don't understand like, oh, this can get so much better. Like I can feel so much better. Yeah, I can't relate. Um, I can't, well, I mean by I can't not relate, but I can't exactly recall my feelings of what your normal is. Your world is your reality, right? And I think back to those years when I had put on an extra 50 pounds. I was, over the course of two years, like that was my normal. I don't recall like being like, oh, I didn't sleep very well or I was yeah. out of breath or, I don't recall my exact physical state feeling but I know now once I've gotten healthier, I know what it feels like to be unhealthy or to have a bad day or a bad few days because I'm so much more in tune or aware of my feelings, right? And uh, I make those comments of, it's what you're kind of saying, if people may not recognize or know the feeling of what a healthier state really feels like. It's the not knowing what's on the other side of the fence or grass is greener or you just don't know what you don't know. And the idea to be able in to be in a, physical well-being goodness where it's like you can roll off your couch and go run three miles without even thinking about it or run one mile it's like i want to safely assume you could probably survey the average pedestrian on the street or in the neighborhood and they're terrified of running one mile they would think it's such a physical exercise and they couldn't do it right they would shiver at the thought of it but to be able to be for me my mental state or physical state that i want to be in like i want to be able to roll off the couch like i never really go running now it's i'm more into yoga and some other body weight stuff but it's like i can go out for like a three mile jog kind of no problem right and i'm i feel grateful to have a physical body that allows me to do it because maybe if i'm on a trip with family or friends if i can roll out of the car and go hike up a hill or a mountain or something i want to be able to have that physical capability as opposed to being limited and being like i'm out of breath after 20 steps you know yeah man totally i totally relate to that um kind of idea here well i kind of the thing with you is it's funny because like I feel like once you learn that once you learn like how to be consistent at you know in your case like getting healthy at that point like that was such a huge life lesson um, that you've applied in all these other areas of your life too where you're like okay now like I've seen the way of how to be successful at that and now I'm gonna like climb a whole bunch of mountains or you know what you just recently did which is like you've always been interested, like ever since I've known you, you've been interested in like movement and mobility and doing handstands <laughs> and stuff like that. And you've taken that interest and you're like, okay, now I'm going to like 
do the uh, yoga instructor 200 hour thing and really apply that to my life. Yeah, there was um, over the last few years, I'm not sure exactly. Well, I do kind of remember. Um, There's a gentleman, I saw a video online of this guy just doing a bunch of like crazy weird movements, workouts, handstands, like a lot of like kind of yoga stuff, but like martial arts and gymnastics based. His name was Edor Portal. And I, I don't know, I'd probably seen this stuff kind of before, but never done in this capacity where it seemed like one guy had a bunch of different disciplines and it just seemed so beautiful. And it seemed to hit me at the right point in time when as I was getting healthier um, on my better health journey, there's this uh, quote, I'm going to paraphrase it by Socrates, that no man has a right to basically go his whole life without living, uh, seeing what he's capable of. Um, crap, I'm going to Google this right now. I feel really bad for butchering that. Uh, maybe I can't get it at the moment. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay. For the audience, just because I felt like an idiot paraphrasing that, uh, there's this quote that I saw, and it's something I try to keep truer to heart, um, and it's by Socrates. It says, no man has the right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. It is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable. And as on my own journey of being healthier, I saw this video of Ido Portal doing these like animal movements, gymnastics, like one-arm handstands, these press handstands. I was like, Holy shit, that's so cool to be able to have such control of your body. Can I do that? I think I could do it because other people could do it. And then it like started this path of body weight training. You know, until then, all I knew was like running. I was big into like marathon yeah. running. Or I grew up as an athlete, like playing football. I'd be like, hey, go to the gym and pump some iron. Well, like now I start to see these tools of like parallel bars, P bars I'd never heard of, and like gymnastic rings. And like these simple tools that you could have in your house, you don't need a gym, and how incredibly hard they are, but how cool they are is like a training tool to get in like the best shape of your life, or best shape of my life at least, that style of training, which eventually later on led to like um, the pursuit of the handstand. Like for some reason, I just wanted to acquire the skill, I wanted to see if I could do it, you know, and then that kind of like opened the world of yoga for me to get more of a flexible, in-tune, strong body, which allows me to do these other skill sets. And they're all like kind of a means to an end, so to speak. Yeah. And then eventually, yeah, uh, recently through all of that for a couple of years of, or a few years now of going down the path of learning different types of movements and kind of studying them, uh, there's an opportunity to do a 200-hour yoga certi- certificate certification training. And I just figured, you know what? Uh, I don't know if I intend to be like a teacher instructor, but I know yoga is a passion of mine. Let me just pursue this passion and interest and see what I can learn from it. And yeah, that's kind of what it was. When did, I mean, had that idea been going around in your head for a while? Maybe like a year, like the, it wasn't clear on like, Hey, go be, uh, go be a yoga instructor, go do the training. Right. But it was like maybe an area of interest I wanted to pursue more. And then, I was just kind of having an itch of like f- trying to find something to dedicate or work on. I know my personality. It's like if I can dedicate or work on something, it gives me kind of like a path to work towards. And I was having about these thoughts for like a month. And all of a sudden it was like synchronicity. All of a sudden a friend reached out. was like, hey, I think you'd be really perfect for this. Training starts in like two weeks. Duh, 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 duh. And yeah. I was like, uh, if not now, then when? If I don't do it now? Let me search around the metro if there's other trainings. That started the idea to start looking. 
um, besides this one offering to see what else is out there. And then like everything had kind of started. Then I was like, well, now I'm gonna have to wait till like next spring. You know what? I've got nothing really going on. Let's just do it and dive in. So uh, last fall, I did my 200 hours. And then, you know, it was, I think if you talk to anybody who does probably a 200 hour training or doesn't matter the amount of training, but an intensive kind of training, uh, you learn a lot. Like, especially about yourself. It's a lot of big personal journey and I was super grateful to go through it. And then at the end of it, uh, the studio kind of recruited me and now I'm teaching some yoga classes every week. So that's awesome, man. So what, what was like your expectation of what this was going to be like going in? And then what was the reality? (laughs) Great question, Chris. Uh, I didn't really know because I didn't know what to expect. My expectation was like, hey, I'm going to learn more about like how to do postures or like teach them or something. I've, when I think of yoga, um, I'm very much more in tune and interested in the asana aspect, the practice. So the physical postures, uh, of course, yoga is more of a philosophical approach to life. Like once you get more into it, you realize there's all these other webs, depending how you want to study it. Some expectations like, Oh, I'll go in learn how to do some sequencing, some postures. Um, but what I got out of it, like when I touched on that philosophical aspect, like, um, yoga originates from India. And if you follow kind of the philosophy of it, there's, it's actually an eight limb path. So Ashtanga is eight limbs, I believe. Um, apologies if I have the Sanskrit wrong, but, uh, it, there's actually eight limbs. It's, it's this philosophy and asanas are, uh, limb number three or four, um, which is a physical practice, which prepares the body to do meditative states. So you can sit down and do meditation and eventually reach the eighth rung with samadhi, which is like enlightenment, right? So it's like, but these other, these other parts of yoga, like self-discipline and devotion, restraints in your life, betterment, community. Uh, I got to learn a lot more about that. I, uh, I got to connect with more people in the community. I got to broaden my horizons. Part of me jumping into the training, honestly, probably, probably the number one or number two driver was, um, I just felt like I've been living in kind of a bubble and I wanted to broaden my horizons and get more in tune with the community. So I wanted to go meet new people. And like I stepped into this room the first night and I felt like I know quite a bit about yoga or stretching. Right. (laughs) And I get in there and all of a sudden there's 30 other people, trainees, plus like six other uh, leaders, studio leads and stuff. I realized really quick it's an ego check. Like I really don't know very much at all yeah. right and i'd like set, leave my ego at the door and take the path of a student and i quickly realized how much i love which i guess if i look at my life i see this but how much i love being a student and getting more so in an offline environment getting around other people to truly learn from versus like always learning by myself like from tutorials or online research and the true value of being with somebody another human who can like connect with you one-on-one like touch see whatever adjust in your body like the value of that getting in a room with other humans is so freaking powerful so uh the overall training uh, i didn't know what to expect but it was pretty exhausting as far as it was like three days a week uh tuesdays thursday nights from six to nine and then saturdays like eight hours a day and then outside of that we had to do like all these you had to go all these classes and my i was doing yoga nonstop and learning yoga nonstop, and it was exhausting and stuff and yeah really grateful for the opportunity yeah was it exhilarating at the same time like i mean i'm sure that's a lot of time but a lot of time and a lot of information because again there's 
some nights are dedicated towards like anatomy, some is towards like uh, historical and text, some towards philosophies or other techniques. Um, so it was, it was it was like drinking from a fire hose. It's like a ton of information, but absolutely exhilarating uh, to the point. I saw the value of one investing in myself, two getting in with group environments and seeking out true teachers who, who are specialized in something, um, which has kind of empowered me to think about other areas of my life or as I proceed through my future. That's given me kind of the the confidence and empowerment to invest in myself to seek out more trainings or, you know, just kind of broaden my horizons versus just always trying to learn alone behind a computer screen somewhere. You yeah. know, like. I truly believe in the human experience. We're all in this together. Like, you know, your neighbors are in this together. And it's like, why not try to take things offline since we live on such like a connected online world and go learn from people. So trying to get a little bit better at that. Yeah, man, there's a huge difference, uh, you know, just in your energy from interacting with someone online versus like being next to them in person and being able to ask questions. And like, especially, you know, coming from like, a teaching background, you know, when you're learning from an actual person, if you don't, if you're unclear about something, you can stop and be like, whoa, hold on. Can you like explain that again in a different way or, or something like that versus like, if I'm just reading a book and I don't understand something, you know, the only option is to go back and reread the paragraph, but that doesn't yeah. always help. <laughs> and it's like in that, and this is mostly around like the physical postures and like sequencing and stuff but there'd be times where it's like i think i can understand it but then you're put on the spot to like teach it yeah. or be in front of other people and all of a sudden you're like wait a minute i don't really understand it and just people yeah instantly raise your hand or ask a question and get an immediate response or answer is so valuable versus like trying to dig into the depths of the web and decipher information of like what's good what's bad um those things yeah it's that whole kind of like you don't know what you don't know sometimes right and it if you don't know what you don't know, then you don't know what to ask like the right question necessarily. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, was there without you being having to be like a historical expert or anything like that? Because <laughs> I know I'm yeah. putting you on the spot with this one. Uh, is was there anything surprising about like the history of yoga? Because dude, I don't know anything about it except my buddy Travis started doing it in high school, and we all made fun of him. And then we realized, or I realized, like, oh, never mind. This is actually like incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, yeah, you're putting me on the spot, but as far as like, uh, learning kind of the historical context of where it comes from, there's like a lot of different types. Technically there's more than a handful of different types of yoga. Okay. Like you could be mental yoga, the physical yoga. Um, but again, so yoga is from, uh, Sanskrit, which comes from India from a few thousand years ago. And yoga means yoke which translates to unity. So ultimately yoga is a practice to be in harmony with the world or the universe. So in the Western world, and I'm guilty of this, and it's still mostly currently my current appeal is like the physical practice of yoga, right? Which people think of like stretching, getting a yoga mat, putting on some Lululemon and getting in down dog and handstands, right? But really when you look at what yoga is, which I'm working towards this path of those eight different limbs and broadening horizons, you realize there's so much more to it than just getting in a down dog. And it's how you live every day. Like, how are you in harmony with the world, in unity with people around you, with the foods you eat, how you interact and serve in this human experience? Um, so that was more of just kind of like 
whoa. Well, not only whoa for me, but being like, okay, if you want to go off the, the deeper end of it, there is more of a how you take yoga off your mat into your community is like through these other principles, right? Restraints, not having certain things in your body or working on a daily devotion. What are you devoted to to serving in the world? Is there some type of spirituality or deity that you're devoting to? Um, those things in which I think of honestly yoga, if I was to give it another term, what resonates with me is the idea of betterment. So I'm a guy who loves uh, reading historical text or more around like philosophy um, and things like lately, last couple of years, the Tao Te Ching, which is like Eastern, came out of China, I believe, but uh, Latsu wrote it like 81 verses, which essentially is a philosophical approach to man and nature and how to live. Um, but there's all these like different ways, maybe it's a hundred day challenge or whatever makes you as a better person. One could truly argue that is yoga. So if you're focused on being a better person, uh, making the people around you be better, interact in a harmonious way, then you are truly doing yoga all beyond what we know it as, is those like sexy postures of down dog and handstands. Right? Yeah, dude, that's interesting, man. Cause that was just, a, as, as you were talking about that, I was thinking, about when you came out here and climbed all like climbed all the uh 100 mountains and i was like is there for you is there this like similar feeling between the two because i remember at the end of that journey talking to you and you were very on this like you had this sense of like like power just by like focusing your intention on this one thing you had this like sense of like oh man look what i can accomplish like look how powerful i can be by doing that. Yeah, the idea, I'm gonna take this from a gentleman I just saw online called monotasking, so focus. Uh, if you look at anyone who's accomplished in life, in history, whether it's like athletes, a businessman, people in their personal lives, it comes down to the attribute of unwavering focus. They're so focused they can accomplish anything that they're not distracted. And we live in a world of thousands of distractions a day between social media, between text messages, our phone, like all this bombardment and like tasks and ideas. When I did the mountain thing, that was, in some sense, it was one of the easiest things I ever did and something I was truly looking for and that was just to, to devote myself to one thing. I was like looking to shake things up because for years, I'm always like doing a hundred different things and like I feel like my energy is going a hundred different ways and although it's like making efforts and strides, I know, I understand the concept or I can see it, the idea of focusing, which is so hard to do, like to be really yeah. disciplined. But for me to pack everything into my bags, into a car and put life on quote hold and just say, I've got this list of a hundred mountains and my only focus, my only commitment is to try to get to the top of these. That's all I had to worry about. And by being able to just focus on that, even though it was like excruciating, probably one hell of a physical challenge to do it, right? Uh, it was easy in the sense like that's all my energy had to be put into, right? Yeah. But putting one foot in front of the other, worrying about like that day and that's it. And there's a gentleman recently who did uh, a pretty great accomplishment, Colin Brady, who's known for a few different world records, but he just was accredited for like the uh, unsupported crossing of Antarctica by pulling a sled with all of his supplies across it. And when he got back, he was saying even now compared to his other previous world records of like monotasking, like in those environments, it's so much easier to be so hyper-focused on something because that's all you have to do. But now when you come back to like, quote, the regular world, it's like feeling like your wheels are just spinning because your energy is going in so many different ways. So 
with yoga. So let's just jump into this of like the hundred mountains and being so like focused and powerful. I kind of joke about this each time, but, uh, taking a hot yoga class. So specifically the studio I go to, which is kind of based off, uh, the hot yoga sequence based off the, the Bikram or Bikram sequence. And to be in a room that's a hundred degrees and to do a challenging yoga sequence, a series of postures, that's the same every time for me, it's freaking brutal. And I'm in there only for an hour and I'll go through this in my head. There's just this huge mental game. It doesn't matter who's in the room because it's you and really yourself in the mat, right? And you can make it as hard or as difficult as you want. I'm a person who likes to go 110% when I get into something. And I go through those classes and I think to myself, this is the hardest fucking thing I've ever done, right? And do I want to show up and do it again? And to, the other day I was just there and the theme instructor was talking about discipline, showing up to your mat. And I was in the middle of this hot yoga class, like crying internally, shaking. And I'm just like, fuck, this is so hard. But if I committed to doing this at minimum once a week, like I know I go to, I, personally I like to go to vinyasa styles, um, not to get into all the different Which styles. Which is like but this, more flowing, right? More kind of flowing cardio. Where like where this hot yoga one's more just like standing sequence postures. You hold them for seven seconds, like really challenging stuff. And you know the just, sequence too. So you're you like, know I know I'm 30 minutes in. I know yeah, you walk in yeah. and like you know what's coming next you know where you're at and you're yeah. just like getting destroyed but i love it because it's the mental it's a mental practice and a physical practice like it's all of that stuff and like um my i don't i feel like i'm going all over the place in here but my point is like i don't even think you need to go run to climb 100 mountains and do something crazy intense i see those people who are in that classroom with me and i all know that they're on one hell of a focused task for that hour which is incredibly challenging now I still know in the rest of areas of my life I struggle with because I'm still like distracted. I haven't lasered in focused all the time, but indulging in those tactics or doing those devotions commitments of saying the yoga practice, it's like showing me again the power of focus as you're saying and focusing down and then seeing how I can continue to slowly snowball that in other areas of my life. Yeah. It's a, it's a practice. Yeah. Cause it's easier on the yoga mat cause there's nothing else to distract you except for your, your own phone thoughts. like your phone's not there like you know one of the hardest environments of i think of stephen king's got this book called on writing that i was reading a couple years ago because i was trying to get more into writing and he's like there's no there's no secret right uh the amateur waits for inspiration and motivation to sit down and write the professional regardless sits down and writes so he's like find your writing den he goes i wrote a ton of these bestsellers. He goes, I had this one desk in this one room and that's all was there. He goes, I'd show up every day and I would just write. I would do my devotion no matter what, no distractions. Yeah. And um, in the world we live in now, we're so connected. I know me personally, I work a lot from a computer. It's so easy to waver from my focus and be like, oh, Facebook or Instagram or ultimateguitar.com. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> just get distracted. So, yeah. Um, well, it's funny too. Like, I just, I'm thinking about my own life and there, like, going out and running in ultra marathons sometimes does feel easier because you're like, yeah, this is my, <laughs> this is my break from everything else. I, I, instead of wearing five hats at once, I'm just wearing this one where I just have to like keep going forward and, you know, make sure I can keep doing that. And that's literally all I have to do. And it's almost in a weird, in the weirdest way ever, it's almost relaxing. Like mentally it's relaxing because you're just like, okay, everything else is off the table right now. I can just solely focus on this one thing. 
yeah, it's almost a sense of like essentialism, so to speak, or, uh, and you know, you can get a lot of this from like different Zen philosophies, so to speak, but that idea of mindfulness, right? And I know I personally struggle with this and it's like any free hour I have of the day, I'm trying to fill it with something like yeah. I'm trying to do something physical or I'm working on a new project or my mind is on about a different project or an opportunity or an idea or all these hobbies I could go do. But they talk about this like a meditation of like being able to clear your whole mind of thoughts and being at ease and at peace, right? And so to be able to find those meditative states, maybe it's just going out running and one, doing that, but then two, being okay with that, being like, this is all this has to be. Like, I don't need to fill my life with more stuff. I know I struggle with this and like, I'm definitely preaching by the choir, but it's like, you don't need to fill your life with more stuff. And it's like a theme I'm trying to work on is like, can I do less? but do more, right? So focusing on less, but having a bigger impact. And um, I believe that's a better equation or a strategy to focus as opposed to trying to focus on many things and you'll probably end up accomplishing a lot less, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe it's like, I don't know my thread in there, I think is like being content with like, this is all I have to do or that's all it is and not feeling guilty. I know oftentimes I guilt myself like, man, it feels like I should be doing something, but uh, <laughs> Those downtimes and stuff are just as important as like the on times, right? So it goes back to that balance of yin yang, light, dark, tall, short, on and off. McDonald's, right? no McDonald's. <laughs> McDonald's, no McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that makes, yeah, that's so true. Cause I know from, for me, like at night when the kids get home and I'm trying to make dinner. And I'm trying to do other things and, you know, and I'm trying to like send this email out at the same time. It's like <laughs> by, by doing three or four different things at the same time, I'm doing three or four different things like terribly, like not as good. I'm being like, I'm not being as good of a parent as if I'm like fully aware. I'm not cooking like a good dinner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, I'm, yeah. I'm one of those guys that I'm on the side of the aisle that is like all for multitasking or I think I have been right. Cause I'm like, I can multitask. I can constantly do tons of stuff. Yeah. But research and studies constantly keep proving that monotasking is more efficient and effective than multitasking. Yeah. Right. So when you're at home making the dinner and so I'm getting better at this and it's like just focusing on focusing on a task until it's done and to be truly present, like in the moment of like, I'm just cooking dinner and if you're if you're like say trying to do the email and six other things while cooking dinner it's like ask yourself what all those things are taken away from which could be making the most perfect dinner in that moment that you can or maybe it's taking away from like smelling all the ingredients or being in tune with them or i don't know just having that experience only be dinner it's like it becomes pretty powerful when you focus on the nuances of just focusing in a moment and just being like, I'm going to give it my all on this one task, right? As opposed to leaping all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. I, it's funny though, cause this is what I want to hear about now. So talking about, I know, I know as a teacher, multitasking is part of the job. Like I'll have 50 different thoughts in my head at once. Cause I'm like, thinking of the lesson plan i'm thinking of you know like how are the kids acting like is you know um what am i going to do in the next period when i have this other kid and like all this stuff and now you're a teacher you get oh, experience yeah. this i and do i have to imagine yoga class is very similar where instead of a lesson plan you have your sequence that you have to remember and you have to make be like oh i got to make sure 
you know, we do this aspect of it or, you know, I got to get across this lesson at the same time. Meanwhile, I'm watching all my students and trying to pick up on like, what are they doing right? What can I help them with? Things like that. Like it's, it is multitasking. Like it's, it's part of just the job description. So before I enrolled in my training, I decided to uh, get some um, words of wisdom from some individuals in the community that I really admired. Um, And one of my friends, she basically told me, she goes, if you decide to do this, I can tell you, she goes, it's one of the greatest things I've ever done. But she goes, I will tell you, yoga class will never be the same for you. Yeah. Um, And I think what she more kind of meant around that was like, now my brain knows around like sequencing of like where the class is always going or what's kind of working towards. Like I understand the construction of a sequence better and stuff, but you're right. So one of the things in training um, that I never realized, this is like one of my big takeaways. I even gave this in my uh, student testimonial. And I said, one of the main key takeaways from doing this training is not that I disrespected yoga teachers prior to this or held them to a certain regard or not, but I just said, I now have so much more respect for a yoga teacher because of all the things they're doing at one time that I as a student am completely unaware of. So when I would go to class before, it's like I'd get on my mat and somebody would like tell you the sequence to do, right? What posture to get into. And like, you don't think about it. You kind of follow along. You're like, is my body okay? Am I doing this? And you're just kind of focused on your breath. That's from the student's perspective. All of a sudden, learning the whole thing, which was such a challenge, was like you quickly now realize setting up what goes into creating a great yoga class, right? So you have your studio environment. So maybe in ours, it's like the temperature, but it's the ambiance, like what kind of music do you have set up? Is your room clean? What does it smell like? Okay, once you get into setting up a successful class, uh, how are you going to theme your class? Do you have some type of theme you're trying to uh, connect with your students on? So in community, when it starts, how do you want people to interact with each other? Okay, once you get into teaching a sequence, like you got to remember the sequence. Uh, and ours use a breath posture cues, so telling people when to inhale and exhale to like move to the next posture. While doing that, you're adjusting the volume, you're checking the time on your class to make sure you're on time so you're not going over or under time, making sure left sides and right sides are held equally, so you have equanimity there. You are looking at all your students to try to uh, uh, help them, right? So some of them may be slightly out of alignment or posture for safety reasons, or maybe you wanna get a deepening assist, but all of a sudden it's like, there's these like 12 different layers that goes easily 12 layers, probably more, that we even to making a yoga class, and I had no idea. And we were trying to learn all this stuff, and I was like, how the fuck do people do this? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's one thing to like walk around and say a sequence, remember that, and now you want me to be touching people and like moving and assisting, giving them directions. You want me to worry about like what lights are at, what level the music's at. I'm like, this is too much shit going on, right? But after doing it now for like a few months, like I now get it, and I can't. Now I think back months ago, and I'm like, oh, Dell, this is actually pretty easy, but. I remember that I was at a certain point where it's like it was just new. You are multitasking. So there are environments where you can't get around it and you are going to be multitasking. But I guess my only maybe words of wisdom within that is saying even when you're multitasking, say me in a yoga room, it's not like simultaneously each time I am doing a few different things. So if I have 10 seconds to focus on one student, Yeah. let me just try to put all my mono focus for that 10 seconds on them, right? It's so like making sure I get their knee over their ankle or get their hips rotated correctly as opposed to being like, 
while I'm moving their hip also being like, oh, I need to go change that music or look at that student over there. Like, I guess that's maybe the only words of wisdom. Like maybe you only get those like 10 seconds of monotasking, but try to give it your full presence when you're doing it. You yeah. know, and I, I know we live in a multitask world, but it's just trying to be more aware of it and where you can at least where you have more control to simplify and put more monotasking over multitasking. Yeah, man, that makes sense. What so when you think back to the very first lesson you taught, how do you feel about that? Uh, like for my first class? Yeah, or, yeah. Man, I can tell you vividly my very first class. <laughs> it was terrifying. Welcome to the world of teaching, my friend. <laughs> Dude, one thing I love. So, of course, you show up. I got thrown into a schedule. Um, it, it's not an ideal time slot, whatever it is. And your ego's like, oh, yeah, there's going to be tons of people here. I'm just going to like kick ass. People are going to love me. And then reality happens, right? And I was sitting there. And if two of my friends hadn't showed up, I mean, they brought the count to four. So there would have been two <laughs> people in that room. And yeah. one of them was like new. So like as a brand new instructor who's like teaching kind of like this sequence and stuff, it's like what it, even with four people, I was like, how do I like there's all these things I could go into as an instructor. But I'm like, shit, like that's just not enough people. And it's like too limited. And I was talking to my mentor about that. So I get assigned a mentor for like three months from the studio. And I had said something about smaller classes. And she goes, you know, she goes, I always remember my first class experience. She goes, it was traumatic. She goes, there were two students in the classroom. <laughs> and I giggled. I was like, I can relate because there was four and two of them were my close friends. So really, there should have just been two people in there. Um, but even now, like I, I've definitely come a long ways because every week I get to practice, you know, two or three times leading a class. So it's like a good feedback loop for me to get better. Um, but here's what's really kind of unique is the, the studio I teach, uh, I'm currently in a set schedule where like I'll do a set sequence. So it's always kind of the same sequence, right? Which is a challenge for me to keep doing the same repetitive thing. But for the public, that's the part of the practice, right? Yeah. And you may have new students. But what allows me, I say, okay, if the sequence is the same every time, how do I still, even though the sequence is the same for, say, 60 minutes, how do I make every every class is still unique in and of its own right? And from like what I, from the students who are in there, from what I say, from what my theme is, from what energy it shows up. And so every class, even though it's a set sequence, continues to teach me something, allows me to kind of grow along the way. So, I mean, I'm still, every time I go in, I'm still... A, still a bit nervous and stuff but i feel more confident than i was three months ago that's for sure but yeah. that first one will always stick in my brain man uh and i'm grateful for it you know because it's like it, one it's a great ego check but two just a benchmark to like see where you start and then kind of keep practicing because like the people who trained us and are all around me i go to their class i'm like these people are so good well yeah they've been doing this shit for five straight years and think yeah. about it when they do 10 classes a week or whatever it is do the math it's like it's practice, 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 practice. Yeah, right? and you get more comfortable as you go and comfortable with the role, not just comfortable like, oh, I'm talking in front of people, but it's like I'm comfortable with the whole entire role now and I know right. I have these, like you just said, like 15 different things I have to make sure that go into this class. Yeah, and oh, I guess the thing I didn't uh, I didn't quite weed that in there, but uh, my takeaway, like I said, I was saying how I respect yoga teachers so much more but beyond that, I started looking at more people in my life of uh, different careers and things like whether it's a middle school teacher or it's a police officer or it's a bricklayer, like really any task in this world takes a lot. Yeah. Right. No matter what somebody is doing, there's actually a lot that they're actually doing simultaneously and a lot that goes into it. So it kind of helped me reframe and like 
allow me to like appreciate and respect people even more on another level, no matter what they do in their life. Because like it takes a skill set, whatever they're doing, they're usually doing quite a few different things. Even the person who maybe works at McDonald's, right? Yeah. Like I'm not trying to be entry level, but there's stuff going on. You have patrons at the front desk. You have people who are waiting on you. You have like systems you have to follow. Like you're constantly turning out work or whatever it is. But like they have stuff they are doing. And I bet you if you threw me into McDonald's training, I bet my first night and first month, I'm still gonna be like, what the fuck? There's just so much going on, yeah, right? Yeah, it's exactly. easy for your brain to get rattled, but in time, as you microwave hamburgers, you get better at it. Yeah, I man, I remember my high school jobs of like, um, I worked at uh, this hardware store, Menards. You know Menards. Yeah, I do know Menards. <laughs> and man, like I would just stock shelves. That's all I would do. But just stocking shelves, like, was so confusing. And even now, if I went back there, I would be so confused. I have like, I would basically have to ask for help every five minutes. And it was, it is just like such a check to the ego where it's like, oh man, like there's so much that goes into this. Who would have thought? There's one thing I'm starting to get better at is like the sense of awareness and say harmony around us, whatever these woo woo worlds, words I speak. But, uh, the sense like we're all in this together and the sense of oneness that everyone is part of this thing to make it work, right? Yeah. And uh, to be okay with that, you go to Menards and be like, this is a foreign <clears throat> environment to me. I don't know about this. And the person who's working at Menards is no better or worse than me. They're a person also doing a task and they can help me. When you start to look at the world that yeah. way of like, this is this person's specialty, even if it means stocking shelves, because guess what? If you have to stock shelves and there's thousands of different products and you want to know the differences between them and blah, 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 it's actually a difficult task. And guess what? Thankfully, that person is there, so I don't have to do it. So it allows me to specialize in my tasks because yeah. if we're all stocking shelves, then there's no one to buy the products or yeah. whatever, right? Like, so even though the training may have been focused on being a yoga instructor, like one of my big takeaways was just appreciating all industries and careers and stuff around me and being able to look at the world. Like the other day I was driving uh, back to um, my girlfriend's hometown and we'd stop in the middle of nowhere. We're at a gas station. I look over, it's like a Saturday or Sunday and there's like two guys who are working utilities, like um, cutting, like digging holes for I'm guessing some type of piping or something. And I was sitting there, I was like, holy shit, like, I'm so grateful for people like that. I don't realize, like, the house I get to live in works because there's utility people who are having utility lines. It has internet coming to my house, electricity, water, plumbing, all these, everyone plays a role in this stuff, right? Which sometimes I get caught up in my head. I'm like, what's my role in the world? You know, is it yoga instructor? What good does that do? But it's like, maybe the utility guys need a sensible mindfulness or yeah. know how to do a yoga practice, right? Like, that's my role. So. Yeah. Um, we're all in this together. Yeah, man. I remember I, I went to this training and I actually had my students do this. Um, and I, I don't know if this is going to make sense, but it basically we all stood in a big circle. I'll try to like describe it really quick. We stood in a big circle and like you picked out two people and it like everyone picked out two people. So, you know, just randomly. And then when the guy said go, you had to make like a the, the like equilateral triangle between them. But they didn't know they were that you had picked them out, right? Because they they'd picked two other people. They probably. picked two other people, and meanwhile, <laughs> like you were picked out by somebody you didn't know. And so basically, yeah. he's like, "Okay, like everyone, go. Like this is your task. Form this triangle." And uh, it was just <laughs> constantly moving and shifting and all this stuff, and it it showed that like interconnectedness, you know, um, because it is like, oh, we do all have an effect. Like, you know, 
yeah, you might be like, oh, yeah, like as a yoga instructor, like I feel like as a yoga instructor, though, you'd be a little more aware of like, yes, this obviously does like affect people's lives because I'm like directly affecting it. But I guess yeah. if you take the like utility worker, there might be days where you do feel kind of like hopeless where it's like, how is this actually like helping people out? But you're 100% right. Um, like everyone it's the idea of like a system right like everyone affects the system in some sort of way i am my friend and i were just talking about this the other night and forget about thinking about the world how complex the world is just try to take like your neighborhood or city or town that you're in yeah if you try to comprehend everything that's going on for it to function and work it'll almost drive you insane like it's it's almost incomprehensible right so you could be like oh there's utility work on the corner We'll go down a little bit farther. Like, just go down a city block that has like a business strip in it, right? So, like, I think of, I'll go off one on top of my head. This Lemie Bakery place, right? So, uh, next to, yeah, dude, next to it's, it's the best. Next, if you're ever in Des Moines, go to Lemie. Calvin Lemie. went there for like five days straight one time. <laughs> <laughs> so good, but even inside the restaurant, right? You have people at the front desk who are taking your order, who then give it to the cooks, and then you have the wait staff who bring it to you, who clean the counters, and then you have all the people from a hundred different worlds, whether they're lawyers, doctors, teachers, utility workers, yoga guys, all in that restaurant, like what's what it takes just for that restaurant to operate. You had utility people who came in, probably installed plumbing. You have a landlord who operates the building. You have people outside who operate parking. Well, guess what? Right next to that, you have another store. You have like a Des Moines cheese shop, which is like selling cheese from all over the world. So there's cheese shipped in from all over the world. Next to that, you have a tattoo parlor. So you have some guy like inking people up. And like when you even think about a city block and like all the interconnectedness there just to make that function, it's mind blowing. But it's just really fascinating to me at the same point. You know, uh, it makes me think of it's Sorry to keep going all these little tangents. For I people, love it. But, man. Uh, I love it. This gentleman I was listening to, I think it was the Tim Ferriss podcast, and he had wrote a book on gratitude. And one key lesson he talked about was a cup of coffee and that it takes a thousand people to make a cup of coffee. And what he meant by that was he went to go have coffee somewhere and he said he liked to try to go six levels deep for gratitude. So as he was sitting there, he's like, okay, I'm thankful for this coffee, but I'm also thankful for the the coffee brewer person who put this in a cup and made the barista, right? I'm thankful for them. And he's like, okay, in order to have this, we need coffee beans. So I'm thankful for the truck driver who drove these to this cafe, which those came from a farm. So I'm really thankful for the farmer to make these beans. And like, he kept going. Well, then he followed that thought and he decided to do a book project on it. He's like, you know what? It's one thing to think about these, but let me go visit these people. So like here he was out of New York and he flew down to South America somewhere. He traced where these like coffee beans came to. He gets to the farm. He's like, I want to thank you guys for the coffee bean and learn more about your operation because because of you, I'm able to drink this cup of coffee in New York, thousands of miles away, right? And the people who ran the farm were like, well, we're really thankful for the people who like make these tractors and all these like machines and farming equipment because if we didn't have them, we wouldn't be able to do our job and make and harvest these beans, right? So then he like follows those people wow. and. It keeps going. You're like, holy crap, soon this interconnectedness just for a cup of coffee takes a thousand people. Uh, another example he used out of it was he was in New York and he was thinking what makes besides beans, you need water, right? So where's this water coming from? And this water was kind of traced back to a ravine that was like up state up north New York or something. And he goes up there and there's like all these people 
like servicing the grounds, people who are like cleaning up, like say dead animals or digging irrigation trenches to make sure the water stays clean, right? The source water, like all those people out of sight, almost like I'm going to call them DNR people. I don't know if that's right, but all these other people who are attributing to this cup of coffee that you don't realize, right? And when you stop and approach the world that way, and all of a sudden you can just be like overwhelmed with gratitude as opposed to like, yeah, it could be raining outside and you're like, oh, my clothes got wet. But when you sit there with that cup of coffee in your hands and you can identify six, 10 or a thousand different people who've contributed to this and what it all takes for that, it's fascinating, the sense of interconnectedness and therefore like the oneness that we all are like in this world. That's amazing, man. That's like a beautiful concept to kind of like wrap up the show on, I think. Yeah. Um, you did have yeah. a, you had a yoga book. Yeah, man. It's uh, okay. <laughs> yoga 365. And you're like, you're just checking out what today's was. And you're, and I just you're like, laugh. I gotta read uh, it. <laughs> so that, I was at Barnes Noble. And as part of being a, a instructor, like you're always forever a student first, right? And for me, I'm even now, I'm, like, I'm a student of being a student in my own practice, but also a student of life and student of being a teacher instructor. So I always think like, even though my classes, the sequences currently are kind of the same, how can I still make it a memorable environment where people want to come learn from me so I can help more people and have a bigger impact, which comes from like being a better teacher and like having themes and things to talk about, right? So I uh, bought a bunch of books at Barnes Noble on a whim, but this one's called Yoga 365, Daily Wisdom for Life on and off the mat. And like every day there's just some little anecdotal thing, whether it's like for a posture or a concept or philosophy. This one is March 12th. And it's called, <laughs> this is great. It says the theme, the yoga pose. Like, I guess this one for the 12th has a yoga pose, but the theme is root down and balance yourself. Handstand pose. <laughs> Check this out. And now I guess we didn't really touch much on this, Chris, but whoever may be listening in that a lot of my huge, bigger journey really to like dive into yoga started with the pursuit of the handstand 100%, which man you were doing it you were like i'm gonna do handstands dude you learned so much from trying to do a handstand because i remember at first you're like i'm just gonna try to do handstands for 100 days and see what happens and you you were like visiting me in virginia doing handstands <laughs> in the front yard and stuff but then you realize like oh hey you can't just be like like i can't walk <laughs> over to my guitar right now and be like i'm gonna do 100 days of just, you call it like noodling, right? Like just yep. messing around on this guitar. <laughs> and then after the 100 days, I'm going to be like Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what's fascinating was it was in, is it 20, I think 2016 or is it 20? Uh, no, it was, it was 2015. Okay. September, September of 2015, I took on the 100 day commitment to learn the handstand. And through that process, then I started to be like, oh, like learning about the handstand in my body. Like, oh, I need to do more yoga so I can get more like, flexible and stuff like you don't need to be real flexible to a handstand but it makes the hand for you to get in better optimal alignment position better and easier yeah. right and like that just started more the path of me jumping off deeper into like yoga and body movement stuff but i just thought that was i don't know if irony is the right word but coincidental or synchronicity whatever it is that for me to open this book and for you want to talk to me about yoga and like my <laughs> journey in that the pose for today out of all these 365 pages was the handstand pose that's crazy that is crazy man that's not so planned cool. not planned at all friends not <laughs> at all um yeah so the takeaway from that I, now i'm like kind of helping some other people in the community like how to learn handstands and still i'm con handstands 
three years plus years later are still teaching me stuff I'm still learning so much about. Um, and now from like the eye of more of like an instructor, I can look back and see like, you know, I, the way I did it wasn't the right or wrong way. It was just a way to learn, but I know there's more effective and efficient ways now, right. Yeah. Or different ways we'll just call them, but it's been kind of fascinating. So yeah. Same thing with, uh, maybe the, the, the wrap up there is whether you're learning to learn more about yoga or you want to be Jimi Hendrix or ultra running, whatever the task is you want to focus on completely seek out other teachers, people who have done what you want to do and learn from them, right? Reach out, try to talk to a real person. If anything, go see a real person in, in person, <laughs> visit a human in person, yeah. get that interaction because it's going to be so valuable for you. And as a person who's been always kind of self-taught and likes to learn on his own and be a cheap ass, so to speak, uh, man, the value, you'll cut your learning time in half by just going to visit with someone who does what you want to do. That's awesome, man. So where, where, if people are in the Des Moines area by any chance, like where can they find your class? Dude, I want to take your class, man. You, when you come yeah. out, we got to do like a yoga session. Uh, we could probably do that. I got a good travel buddy. Uh, if you make it to Des Moines, I instruct at Power Life Studio, mostly downtown. There's a few different locations in town. Uh, it's a fantastic atmosphere. Uh, hit me up. Otherwise, maybe climb Iowa. I'm trying to get something, the local climbing gym going there. But uh, cool. yeah, we'll see. Right now, I'm jumping on the schedule also for hot yoga. So I'll be teaching that thing that I talked about, hot yoga is so challenging. I'll be instructing that as long as like I do a vinyasa class uh, a couple times a week. That's awesome. Yeah. They're going to be, if they listen to this and take your class the whole time, they're just going to be like, Calvin's doing so much right now without me knowing. <laughs> <laughs> they they would think that, but it's funny. Um, as a student, when you get on your mat, most time you get so in tune, That's like true. you're focusing on your breath and the difficulty of the posture, you become oblivious to what's happening. Which is what you. you should. That's what should happen for the student, you know, that means which is great. Job. Yeah, as an instructor, it's like uh, you get caught up in your head and you're like, oh, man, I fucked this up or I fucked that up or I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing that right. Yeah. And what I like to do is like, hey, I'm here to serve the student. And if I flip my flip the perspective, if I'm on the mat, like when I'm in student role, I am oblivious most of the time to the instructor, like 90 percent of what they're doing or saying, because I'm so focused on like trying to just do the posture and to breathe correctly for five breaths, you <laughs> totally, know, man. so totally. Well, yeah. cool. Cal, thanks for coming on the show, man. Uh, can't wait to see you again in person and hang out. Thanks for having me, Chris Ward. All right. See you, man. <laughs> Peace. All right, guys, that wraps up the show. Thank you so much, Calvin. Um, I'm really proud of you, obviously, for everything that you've been able to accomplish over the last few years and you know this whole yoga thing is just the the next thing I'm proud of you for buddy um <laughs> and I'm really excited for when uh Calvin's able to come out here and guide me through a yoga lesson and like really just destroy me because for whatever reason I can't explain this I've done some hard things right like I've done the ultra running stuff and adventure races and played rugby and football and hockey and all these crazy things right and yet whenever someone asks me what's the hardest thing you've done physically I'm like hands down hot yoga class for an hour um you're holding these poses and you're like this should be easy and yet like 
I'm raining sweat off my head and raining. I'm not just using that as an expression. Like every time I'm doing forward fold, it looks like I'm in the midst of a downpour here, but just underneath my forehead. So I have no idea how it happens. I'm the gross sweaty guy in a yoga class. I'm the dude like front row center. My shirt is sticking to like every crevasse of my body. Um, and I just like, every time I like twist, like sweat flies off and you know, like, <laughs> people accidentally get sprayed with with sweat everywhere it's so it's so gross but i love it because i leave like it's it's also a weird thing i don't know if you guys haven't done it sign up for yoga class man that that, that thing's gonna like destroy you but uh in a good way but i it's it's an activity where while i'm doing it I mean, I do enjoy it, I guess, but <laughs> there's that little voice in my head telling me to quit. Like, it's like, dude, stop holding this pose. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. You've been holding a lunge for 15 minutes now. Knock it off. Um, and so I have to battle that the whole entire time. And it's interesting. And I think it's a healthy thing to step up to that little tiny voice of self-doubt in your head or the voice that's telling you to quit. I think that's a healthy thing to do every once in a while. Um, and I've never, ever, ever left a yoga class like bummed out that I did yoga, right? I've always left feeling exhilarated, being like, good job, man. You did this. Way to go. Um, and so, like I said, if it's something you haven't tried out there, I would highly suggest suggest it the first time might not be the best uh you might be pretty miserable but as you go and you keep doing it and you keep contorting your body in these strange ways and um really taking some of the lessons calvin talked talked about in the show um into mind where you're you're focused you're you have that intention um it's not just about the physicality it's about all the other things it brings to your life this weird calmness uh Keep that in mind. If you keep going, I promise you it gets easier just like anything else. And uh, it might, for me, because I've done these two 100 days of yoga challenges and the first 30 days, like I honestly have to force myself through the first 30 days. And then whatever happens, I don't know what it is, but day 30 comes around, all of a sudden it feels good. All of a sudden the time just flies by. So uh, highly recommended. If you're in Des Moines, I mean, help my buddy out, man. He's like the coolest dude in the world. So uh, feel free to check out his classes and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, guys, we'll get back at you next week. And uh, yeah, go do something fun this week. See ya.